Hello, everybody. This is Standard Def, the retro and nostalgia podcast here on the Boss Rush Network. For each and every, well, opportunity that we have, Monday, sorry, thank you, we come together with our friends from around the internet to talk about games, movies, and shows, and other topics that make us nostalgic. I am Stephanie, your host for the classic animated Disney branch of Standard Definition. And we all know that we can't have a nostalgia podcast without recording episodes covering these classic Disney hand-drawn series. Um, These Disney movies that we'll be reviewing will be in release order, starting from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs all the way to The Princess and the Frog that was released in 2009. Here, I am joined with my amazing co-host, Corey Derrick. Hello, I'm here. I'm feeling magical this evening. (laughs) And the magical Mark Pereira. Hello. Mark is Hello. magical, isn't he? He is. He is like the guys. unicorn. Look at you him. You guys. Look at him. He's so magical. You're making, and... you're making my head blush. Aww. Aww. <laughs> um, speaking of making us blush, do you know how you would like to support us? Well, you could support us and get the show two weeks early by heading over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash boss rush network or subscribe on free feeds if you listen on apple Podcasts or spotify we'd greatly appreciate it if you leave us a five-star review because it does help with discoverability you can also catch all of our content on the youtube channel and bossrush.net. also the merch store is open and we have a variety of designs including our own disney version of a standard def shirt or any any type of clothing item or sticker that you want um but before we f- officially dive in Corey, do you have some vips that you'd like to to list off i do so prerequisite this episode's going up a little bit later than anticipated but we're recording in april so i want to make that clear oh, and i want to let I people see how it is i just want to let people know <laughs> that Look, this was the show I was really worried about being ahead on because it doesn't have a like a set day to record every week like all the other shows. And this is the only show we're ahead on by like six or seven episodes, I think. So we're uh, steamrolling through this. We are. Uh, so yeah, so this this is we're recording in April. These are our current patrons at the producer tier. Uh, you can check out our other podcasts that record on time i guess to find recent producers but i want to get these out there i want to make sure everybody's you know what do you say uh you know represented acknowledged acknowledged thank you that's a good word they are frozen in time yeah yeah happy april everybody it snowed today uh (laughs) it really did it snowed here today uh so remember you can get early access at a dollar you can get all of our shows early uh but if you are a $5 patron, you are subscribing to the producer tier, which means you get your name shouted out on this here podcast, this here fine program, as we like to say. Of quality content. Quality content. So our producers are Quentin Jackson, new producer. Thank you. Thank you very much. <gasps> As thank of you. I think last week, as of this recording, so thank oh. you, Quentin Jackson, uh, Rebecca Jewell, Adriel Munger, and my wife, Sana Deer, <laughs> the real rock star. Yes, yes, she's in the other room right now. By the way, watching something. I don't know. Ninety Day Fiance. Probably, maybe? most likely, <laughs> either that or one of the nine thousand spinoffs that there are. Okay, I just watched Nine Day Fiance before this. Mm. Now I'm gonna. T- Speaking of quality content, right? <laughs> it's questionable content, as Ed would say. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank uh. you. But we are going to talk about real quality content because this is the Disney edition of Standard Definition, and we are covering Cinderella. Cinderella, Cinderella. And I don't know about you guys, and I want to start off with this because i'm not discounting snow white or pinocchio or the other um disney movies that we've talked about so far but i i just feel like there was a tonal shift when i watched cinderella like i i'm not sure if it's maybe the more present humor 
that's in there or something, and maybe we can dive into this later, but I just kind of felt a little bit of a different style or just, again, shift in tone once I watched mm-hmm. Cinderella. Yeah, there's definitely a, a more of a comedic element to this, like a more like real, like, oh, kind of like what you see in traditional Disney movies. And like for a long time, I thought this was like a more modern Disney movie. Like I thought this was like a, made in like the late 70s, early 80s. Like in my mind growing up, this was a modern Disney movie. I didn't realize this came out when it did. Because, you know, the, you have all the traditional, like, kind of 90s, early 2000s Disney, you know, tropes. Like the the comedic animal pals, right? And the, you know, the animation style, the quirky kind of villain henchman and, the, and, the, and, you know, Lucifer and, like, the evil stepsisters. And, the, you know, it's just, like... This has all of the makings of what modern Disney movies are made of. And so, like, probably until 10 years ago, at least, and I'm a big Disney fan, and I just I just assumed this was a modern Disney movie. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, it probably came out, like, right before Oliver and Company and Little Mermaid. That's where I kind of had it sitting in my mind, you know? Yeah, I feel like I'm... I'm- I feel the same way as you. I feel like I'm approaching it from a different angle in that I had always thought, because I knew that Cinderella came out like early in Disney history. And so I assumed that Cinderella was kind of in those kind of um, sleepy kind of Disney face. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is like a, like a Sleeping Beauty or a, or a Pinocchio or a, um, uh, what's some other ones that would be Dumbo uh, Dumbo. Yeah. Just like not quite like Disney's still trying to figure things out. Yeah. Right. And this felt like classic quintessential, like mm-hmm. this mm. felt like a Disney nineties Renaissance film. Like I was, this... I was so blo- I, I, I always wrote off Cinderella cause I just thought it was just another, not that those films aren't great. Like Snow White's not, not that it, that's not a great film, but it's just like a, a little bit of a product of its time and this is like the first true like real disney movie for me yeah it, yep. it definitely felt like a movie that they had it all figured out which by the way it just hit me like literally as i was saying like i felt like this was like a more modern disney movie and you know stephanie we were talking about disney world before we started recording disney world is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year like 1971 park open and it has cinderella's castle in it so i should have known it came out before then right but like it just dawned on me that i'm like oh whoops well yeah but even in the 70s like that's yeah. this came out in what 50, 1950 59 50 1950 50? so 50? like yep. that's 25 years before it's insane <laughs> yeah so yeah th- this movie should not be as good as it is and i and i have always thought like why is it cinderella's castle that's in the logo why is it cinderella's, mm-hmm. cinderella's castle at disney world why is cinderella such a big deal and it's like <laughs> this movie is fantastic yeah it's yeah. just like a real disney movie and yep, I, I agree yeah yeah and i i love how like i i love jacques and gus like they're, they're the best side characters in in a lot of these classic movies right like they're funny like they, the way they talk to each other, the way Gus like picks up the corn off the ground and like tries to waddle over to the hole and he mm-hmm. drops them all right. Like I love them, but I also like C- Cinderella feels like a more modern princess in a way. Where like oh, she I, has... I will hit on that for sure later because yeah. I have words. Okay, yeah, we. I mean, we can we can. I mean, obviously, it's like <laughs> I didn't oh want to, well. Like, you off on that, I'm glad you no. said that. Yeah, no, I like yeah. Okay, she marries the prince to get away at the end, right? Happy ever after or whatever. But like during the movie, like she has ambition. She wants to do be more than what she is doing in the movie, right? And so, you know, it's it's kind of again, we kind of talked about this uh which movie did we talk about this in? Uh I think Snow White, I guess. Uh <laughs> where like, you know, it felt ahead of its time, way ahead of its time, even more than Snow White did. You know, and, oh, yeah. and it was kind of nice to see, you know. Oh, yeah. I, well, just because you mentioned Snow White real quick. Because Snow White, she did sing about, 
meeting a prince or something, which inherently that's not a bad thing. We all want to meet a, a, a someone that we want to care or love about. But like, but when you go to Cinderella's song, she just talks about dreams. Mm-hmm. She's not necessarily pining for a prince or a guy. But again, mm-hmm. I, I know I'm gonna like get into a long tirade about it later. But um, I want to start with what is Cinderella? I like doing a little ad lib one liners. If we were all to just give a sentence or two summary of what the plot is, and then I'll follow up with maybe an IMDB summary or something. So I'll just go and I'll keep it nice and simple. Cinderella, she just wants to go ha- have fun at a party. Just let her have the party. Uh, who wants to go next? Cinderella wants to look fancy and have some cool shoes. Cinderella wants more than what she's got. There you go. All right. But really, what is Cinderella? This is Disney's 12th animated feature about a young girl named Cinderella who's treated like a servant by her stepmother and stepsisters. When they prevent her from attending a royal ball, she gets some unexpected help from her animal friends and the fairy godmother. Cinderella was released in February 15th of 1950. Did you know, and I was so excited because I'm from outside of Boston, Cinderella was originally released in theaters in Boston in February 15th and then March 4th for the rest of the United States. Because I don't know why, but cool. Um, Runtime, it's a little bit over than the really short movies in the past. By um, Not by, but it ran 74 minutes. Its budget was about $2.2 million, and collectively, box office is $182 million, and that's based off of November of 2021 data. So who knows if they made more? I don't know. But <laughs> uh, let's take a look at the origin, because I feel like at least everyone has base knowledge that, you know, this movie, this is not the first time the story of Cinderella has been told, right? Um, many people refer to the Brothers Grimm adaptation, uh, but what I learned about is the first recorded story ever featuring a Cinderella-like figure dates back to um, Greece in the 6th century. Oh, Mark, what's up? And you're on mute. Oh, no! Uh, Mark is maybe... gone. Sorry, sorry. I'll be right back. One sec. Oh, sorry. I totally misinterpreted that. <laughs> it's nice. okay broke the show sorry i i broke the show go go mark broke Um, the show it's broken but anyway um in greece 6th century bc in that story so in ancient greece a greek courtesan named rhodops rhodopis had one of her shoes stolen by an eagle who flies it all the way across the mediterranean and drops it into the lap of an egyptian king and in typical story telling fashion the king takes this fallen shoe drop as a sign from the heavens literally and metaphorically and the king goes on this quest to find the owner of the shoe and when he finds rhodopis he marries her lifting her from her lowly status to the throne and there have been several other cultural variations from china italy and france did you know that Corey? i, didn't I know did that. not know that whatsoever i I didn't know that. So that's a lot yeah. of, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a. Right. Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, the, the grim one, um, it's called ashen puddle with not really the most attractive name. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, grim brothers had a bit of a dark side. They said for, for, for the Grimm's version of Cinderella, her wishes still do come true, true, but it came from a tree that I think grew over her mother's grave instead of a fairy godmother. Um, I think in this case, the father is alive. He's just ignorant to her suffering. Shoes were made out of gold, not out of uh, glass, though I think glass is cooler. Um, I shouldn't be laughing. But you know in the (laughs) scene where the stepsisters try to fit into the shoe in the movie? Yeah. In yeah. the Grim in the Grim story, one of the stepsisters actually cuts off her toes to try to fit in the shoe. Oh. And Cinderella does have a happily ever after in the Grim story, but the stepsisters do not. Their eyes get picked out by doves during the wedding ceremony. <laughs> so wow. I'm glad Disney ran in a different direction, but I think it's important to kind of know where these things came from. I could have done without the uh, visuals, but you know. Imagine these guys like coming up with this story, be like, you know what? Yeah, these who are these people? 
<laughs> why are they so violent? <laughs> I know. God. And why did Disney uh, think that, that those stories were good ideas to make into movies? Right. The ones that he gravitated towards are all like really horrific. Oh yeah. Wait till we get to Little Mermaid. That Little story. Mermaid. Was... Yeah, yeah. Oh god. But um, anyway, Dis- Disney's um, Cinderella was deemed a critical success. Uh, it was especially noted with what we touched upon: humor and music ge- geared to the appeal of both young and old audiences, which I think is why we see the bigger appeal because weren't like the older movies technically more adult focused right Mm -hmm. um in 1951 the film received three academy award nominations for best sound scoring of a musical picture and best music original song and then in june 2008 the american film institute acknowledged cinderella as the ninth greatest film in the animation genre which i found mind-blowing um, there were two direct-to-video sequels released in 2002 and 2007 that I have not watched and will refuse to watch. They are not good, let me tell you. My daughter... Have, have, you, have you watched them recently? Yes. When? Uh, probably a couple months ago because my daughter went through a Cinderella phase. Oh. Um, so I watched them for this uh, podcast. <gasps> the second one is terrible. It's yeah. terrible, terrible, terrible. It's, it's like really basically, it's like they were gonna make a Cinderella TV show, and it got canceled. And so they took the first three episodes. This this is not what happened, but it's like they took the first well, three episodes and mashed it into. One. Can you give me like a high level premise of what two, Cinderella two and three are about? So Cinderella two, uh, they're married. It takes place after the first Cinderella, and um, the mice are working on a present for Cinderella with the fairy godmother, and it's a book that's telling stories of Cinderella's first year as a princess. And so it's three like 30 minute little vignettes, little stories um, that don't really have anything to do with each other, um, but are kind of woven into this one story. It's not good at all. Um, But the third one, Cinderella three, a twist in time is actually pretty good. Um, the production quality is much better than the second one. Um, the voice acting is much better than the second one. For some reason, Cinderella becomes a brunette in this one. I don't know why. Um, but in this Switch one... Switch it up, you know? The, right. Summertime. Um, <laughs> the uh, stepmother gets a hold of the fairy godmother's wand, and she uses oh. it to make it so that the prince doesn't remember that he met Cinderella he remembers that he met one of the stepsisters and so it's like Cinderella trying to get back to the prince and so it's like definitely like a direct-to-video animated sequel um but in terms of see I mean it wasn't it really wasn't that bad um, all things considering yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah interesting but and you know- the third one completely contradicts everything that happens in the second one. Oh, so, like, the second one, like, doesn't matter <laughs> at all. I mean, I think that was, like, the... I think that was the Michael Eisner after uh, What's-His-Face died, where, like, he was just trying to make money and every movie under the sun got a directed uh, DVD sequel or a TV show on the Disney Channel, right? Like, I remember Emperor's New Groove got a TV show. Hercules oh. got a TV show. Yeah. Aladdin got a TV show. Lion King got like three TV shows, right? I mean, like they, they these were like <laughs> this was yeah. a time. Bambi got a sequel, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, um. but you know what? Probably was good. I mean, hopefully people thought of this, but the live adaptation in 2015 featured Lily James, Richard Madden, and Kate Blanchett. Who's seen the live adaptation of Cinderella? Yeah, I watched it for, I mean, I'd seen it when it came out, but I watched it for this too. And this, in my opinion, is the best live adaptation of Disney films, mm-hmm. hand down. I mean, it, hands down. It it takes the source material, which is really pretty light if you like break down the major plot points of the film. Um, it takes it, it elaborates on it. it. It isn't afraid to be kind of a little bit, cheesy and whimsical but like is a little bit more rooted in realism i mean mice still turn into horses and stuff so but um it is i mean it is 
so good. It is like the best out of all of the recent live action adaptations. I absolutely love the live action version of Cinderella. Yeah, yeah I, I'm definitely with you. I, I, it has my vote as the best live adaptation thus far. Yeah, yeah, I've I I've only seen it once, but I remember really liking it. And like a lot of the stuff that came after it, like the live action stuff, was really bad. Like Beauty and the Beast is terrible. I don't know who yeah. likes that movie, but it was terrible. Yeah, a lot uh, of my friends loved it, but I'm like, I but don't like know. I mean, I like looking at it from just like an animation standpoint. Like when the beat, like not. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it when we talk talk about Beauty and the Beast, so I won't get too far into it. But like. The scene where the beast is fighting Gaston on the roof of the castle. Like, if you watch the animation, there are no shadows under the beast. And it, like, really doesn't look good, like, at all. <laughs> you know, and it just, just really bothers me. That movie really bothers the, me. <laughs> the problem with the Disney live-action adaptations, or the ones that are that are bad... Are they try to be too much like the animated version? They try to just be a live action version of what the what came before, and when you do that, then it's really difficult. It's it, it, it's difficult to divorce the two, and so you compare it to the yeah. Mm-hmm. And the ones that devi- that take it as a framework and deviate from the story that it told and try to do its own thing, those are the ones that are more successful. I really like the live app live version of uh, Aladdin. So did I. Because I feel like it took what worked well in Aladdin and applied it to this kind of, it's the same story, but this new version of the story that they're trying to tell. The live action Lion King was terrible, in my opinion. because And it like, it lifted, I mean, Mufasa was the same voice in both versions. It lifted the same exact dialogue. So you could literally play the two side by side and compare and say mm-hmm. the animated version is so much better than the live action one. And so Cinderella was really the first one in this new wave of live action uh, remakes. And it just, it took what worked well and honored the spirit of the film and kind of made its own thing. And so there weren't, there wasn't any singing there, The mice didn't talk, but like a lot of the spirit of the film yeah. um, was carried over and it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Nailed it right on the head. All right. Before we talk about characters, I, I like doing my little trivia question. Mickey Mouse made a cameo in Cinderella of sorts. In what scene did he make this appearance? A, where the mice are making Cinderella's dress. B, when Cinderella's washing the floors. C, at the ball. Or D, at the wedding slash end scene. I think it's... I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think it's the wedding scene. But I'm not I mean, sure. I know, I, I know the answer. <laughs> All right. Go for it, Mark. It's it's when she's cleaning on the floor and the bubbles and the soap make Mickey Mouse's Head silhouette. and ears. Yeah. yeah. Ding, ding, ding. You are right. I love finding little Easter eggs like that. Well, I was wrong. I'm a terrible Disney fan. No. Terrible. I'm fired. <laughs> yep. So if no one's seen it before, just, you know, kind of keep an eye out when, when she's scrubbing the floors, the bubbles are everywhere, and she's singing. What's that song? Something about a nightingale. Sing, Sing sweet nightingale. nightingale. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, um, you know, like with a lot of our other standard deaf shows, we don't necessarily do like a play-by-play of the plot. You know, this movie's been around for a while, but we really enjoy talking about our characters. So I think we should just dive right in. Is there a particular character you want to talk about first, or we can just go with my list? I mean, I don't, I mean, unless we're going to talk about the mice first, because they're just my favorite. I I love Jacques and Gus, Mm -hmm. and it's just, they're so fun. They're so yes, yes. fun, yeah. Uh, and even even like their interactions with uh, Lucifer, right? It's, it's just oh. they're really fun. They're really funny. I like the way that they are like kind of helping Cinderella and solving problems. And you know, like even towards the end when they're carrying the key up the stairs, right? Like that's it's just there's a lot of heart in those characters and the comedy that comes out of those characters is from the heart that is put into those characters, I think. Oh, yeah. I love how Jack is like, he's the wise guy, right? So mm-hmm. he's like, you know, 
like for example when they're trying to collect the beads and all that extra stuff to you know make cinderella's dress Mm -hmm. he's creating a distraction of lucifer this whole time he's like stacking buttons and then he just like flips it and Mm -hmm. bops lucifer in the nose Mm -hmm. i'm like i love this dude (laughs) yeah yeah i love um i love the way one of my favorite things about this movie is the, like, the quality of the voice acting. And what I mean by that, not that it's like excellent, it is, but the, that kind of old fashioned tone in everybody's voice and the way that they speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I specifically love the way that the mice speak. I was about to say mouses, the way that the mice speak. Um, because there's a lot of times where you can't really understand what they're saying, but I thought it was a really bold choice to to continue to do that because there's so much more in the animation that comes out. You have to really like look at their mannerisms and what they're doing and in the context to really understand what they're saying. And it reminds me of more modern films like, um, like Encanto or Coco where characters are speaking Spanish on screen, but there's no um, subtitles. And so you just have to pick up on context and nuance and it just really makes you understand the characters better. And so I really love the way specifically they make the mice speak. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, if you listen to it, you don't really understand. Or it's not till a couple of seconds have passed and you're like, oh, they're saying this. Um, and so I really, I really love that about the mice. That's a really good point. Yeah. It, it, they're just, you can enjoy them, like, yeah, by either, like, listen to their conversations through their, their, what is body like what do you call it body language and i don't know and i love their singing little high-pitched singing yeah it's great yeah and you know the scenes when they focus just on the mice everything else looks larger in comparison you know i really love the the environment that's you know like the when they're bringing the key up the stairs like that staggering upshot it's like oh man like (laughs) i would give up yeah yeah seriously yeah nice I think all the animals there were great. Like Bruno is the the loyal dog, and we've got the horse, right? Yeah. I'm pretty oh. sure they all have names, right? But I just forgot. Uh, Bruno's yeah. the dog. I forget. Bruno, yeah, but the dog. I forget what the, I mean, the horse. horse's name. Horse. Uh, do, 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 do. Horse's <laughs> name is who? Uh, what is the name of Cinderella's horse? Major. Major. Uh, I don't know if that's very explicitly said, but. But speaking of animals, Lucifer was a, a good kind of side antagonist, you know, mm-hmm. kind of very typical, stereotypical cat. I mean, thankfully, my cat's not like that. But one of my favorite gifts um, has Lucifer in it when Cinderella tr- tries to wake him up and he just like turns around and gives her the butt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I his name is very fitting, right? He loves to terrorize the mice. And not only that, but he actually gets a lot of joy whenever Cinderella's in trouble. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gets what's coming to him at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that as a cat person. <laughs> yeah. Lucifer kind of sucks. Uh, uh, he just, I don't know. It's just the epitome of like, it's the epitome of what you think a cat that you know is not going to like you does. Right. It just, it's lazy. It like meows at you weird. It's like swipes at you. Like it, Lucifer is just like, it's basically, basically our cat for me you know it just doesn't like me just tells me to go away causing problems you know all right can i i want to talk about this another side character before we get into the meat and potatoes because the side character is actually one of my newest favorite characters like i i one thing i noticed is when i watched disney movies as a kid you know i identify probably with the main protagonist or main antagonist as I get older, there's a lot of side characters that I tend to relate to more. Or not relate to, I shouldn't say that. Maybe like I just enjoy more. And that would be the the relationship between the king and the duke. Yeah. The king is yeah. freaking hilarious. Yeah. My son yeah. keeps repeating his lines because he thinks he's the funniest guy in the world. Like It's like your typical old-fashioned parent that wants to like shove down their agenda, down their kid's throat. Like... Even the prince himself, he's not even trying to be the typical prince where I need to go marry some or rescue some fair maiden. He was off doing whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I think the beginning of the story, he was returning from somewhere. And it's the father's like, I want grandbabies before I die. And the duke's like, you know, we just got to take your time. Let it happen naturally. But the king has such a crazy 
crazy crazy temper and my favorite one of my favorite scenes is when cinderella got away and the duke had to um relay the message and mm-hmm. the king's face got so red and the duke's like but sir your blood pressure <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so good yeah i've always loved those characters um the king and the duke specifically and they're like i don't know it's it's it, there's some of the typically in Disney movies, the animals are the kind of silly characters, but they're like humans that are silly and it's, they're super fun. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man, there's just a lot about this movie that like, I, I guess I didn't really appreciate when I was younger. Cause I was too cool to, you know, watch Cinderella. Cause you know, I was a princess movie. Yeah. But like, you know, rewatching it and just kind of, you know, appreciating the humor between the king and the duke or the animals or just even like the animation in general is so well done. Like, you know, kind of like what we touched on at the beginning, but like it really felt like Disney was finally hitting on all cylinders with this movie. And it, you know, it kind of like it has the great animation of Bambi. It has the great kind of storytelling of, you know, uh, uh, Snow White it has the humor of Pinocchio like it, it combined all the elements of their previous works and just they they did it they yeah. nailed it you know and, and gosh even like even when she's cleaning and like the bubble like the bubbles are kind of floating like that's cool or like even the effects of her transforming from into that dress the yeah. best scene ever like it's such a good like the animation of that scene alone like if you just pause it and go frame by frame mm-hmm. it is like a gorgeous piece of animation yeah like her body movement her arms her mm-hmm. the magic or like everything about it is is yeah and like masterclass animation even even everything else like not just her transforming but like the pumpkin into the carriage the animals mm-hmm. into the horses even the horses turn into the like the carriage driver people right like <laughs> all of the animation in the transformation scenes is is the even com- even compared to today's work right like it it's that's i think that that kind of stuff is why this movie feels so modern right and it's 72 years old well they i mean they they established the formula that worked for them and then went back to that well time and time again for every single Disney princess movie after that, with the exception of Snow White. I mean, uh, Sleeping Beauty. But every, I mean, every good Disney film has dipped into the animal sidekick, mm-hmm. the the evil, you know, close relation to the main person. Mm-hmm. The princess wants, or the, the, the female wants, you know, wants something more. It has like an I want song. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's like, everything is, is the, the formula is established in this movie and then they went back to that formula time and time again and then went away from it and then dipped back in when they got back into frozen and, and uh, tangled and uh, princess and the frog um which mm-hmm. is like they're they're what they're really good at now you're right yeah formulas is, is precisely it and you know speaking of we can talk about cinderella and even the stepmother and stepsisters um one fun fact, because sometimes I kind of wonder about the ages of these princesses. They're usually a lot younger than I would think. But Cinderella is actually one of the older Disney princesses. She's pegged to be around 19 or 20 years old Ooh, an older in the movie. <laughs> well, older, right? Um, where Snow White is uh, supposed to be the youngest at age 14. What? Right? <laughs> Did we talk um, about that on that episode? I don't think so, but I was looking up fun facts and stuff oh, like that. Gross. So here is where I kind of double back to what you mentioned in the beginning, Corey. And I'm sorry for you. I apologize in advance to those that love Frozen. I want to pull throw out a couple disclaimers. Number one, I do not hate Frozen. Frozen is a fine movie. The way I might rant sometimes may sound like I don't like Frozen. It's just that I don't like how people hype up that movie so much as the first very strong female, I don't need a man have they thing. ever watched any other Disney movie? Did they watch Princess and the Frog, which was like, wasn't that like a year or two before Frozen? Yeah, but but the, for whatever reason, Frozen received all this praise for like, oh look, they should. They yeah, just but care. that's They're that's like every movie nowadays, right? Though I mean, like, 
I okay. I'm gonna tread in some hot water here, but just hear me out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, and I understand that there's like a cultural difference with this movie, but like everybody points at Black Panther for being the first black superhero, right? Did nobody watch Blade? Right. Nobody watched Blade. Did nobody watch like, I don't know the the uh, uh, the movie that Shaq was in Steel. Nobody watched Steel. Terrible movie. Terrible movie. But it wasn't the first, yeah. You know? No, no. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, and that doesn't make Black Panther any less good. It's just like, hey, yeah. you're forgetting about these things that and, happened. And I understand right. that, like, Black Panther, the whole cultural thing, like, the whole thing was, like, a big moment. That I understand. But, like, people pointing and say he's the first black superhero. I'm like, 90s, guys. Right. Blade. Wesley Snipes. Cool guy. The Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Yeah, in so, jail I mean, for tax evasion <laughs> but well but i don't know so so sometimes you'll hear me get on like get a little ranty about frozen because when i i was preparing myself to watch cinderella i'm like all right this is just you know another one of those fifth uh 50s era princesses but when i like watched i'm like wait a minute this isn't bothering me like i thought it was going to bother me because again she wasn't necessarily dreaming about marrying a prince necessarily she wanted to go to a ball like her goal wasn't i want to go to the ball to find the prince to marry the prince it was more like oh my goodness i want to actually go out like my sis my stepsisters can go out i just want to dress up and have a good time and even the 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 way the writing is set up is she didn't even realize she was dancing with the prince right when she when the the thing the the thing the clock tower struck (laughs) midnight she was I gotta uh, meet the prince. He's like, but don't you know? And she's like, goodbye, peace. Like, uh-huh. and so that's why, like, I don't get all so like bent out of shape when she marries the prince at the end. Because I'm like, okay, so she just happens to meet happily ever after, whatever. I just, I feel like people need to look at these older films, and yes, still a bit outdated, but I feel like Cinderella deserves a bit more credit. Like she. She's she's pretty strong, I think. Yeah, I don't know. That's just my my thoughts. I I'm saying like I'm saying like these movies were like ahead of their time. Obviously, it's not like it's not like they're ahead of their time for 2022, but they're ahead of their time for 1950. Let's be honest here. You know. Yeah, I I, mean, I think what happens is is that people think people put things into a box, and so they think, oh, Disney you know disney animated films are all about like you know women only are worth the man that's in their life and they only want men and when you know they 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 are just there to get married and that's it and and so it, it gets this um this impress people get this impression in their head and they don't actually interact with the media itself and so when you really interact with it yeah there's some questionable things in some disney movies yeah and the little mermaid she gives up her voice but like in in Sleeping Beauty, she gets kissed while she's asleep. But like, you know, you have to take each thing for what it's worth. One and two, like it's okay to tell girls that you can feel good feeling pretty and wanting to go out and wanting to go to. A, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing exactly. wrong with with wanting to feel like a princess. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You know, um, it's a bad thing when you say the only thing that you can do is be a princess. But it is okay for girls to want to be a princess and want to feel pursued and loved and and cherished. And it is okay for boys to want to pursue and love and cherish, you know, a princess or for princes to want to do that. Right? Preach. Yeah. It's it's and we we've gotten into this situation that we're in where we're trying to be more enlightened and we're trying to be more you know modern and whatever and so it's like oh you know gender tropes bad and 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 girls being princesses bad and boys wanting to pursue girls bad and it's like no it's not inherently bad it's just when you tell them that that's the only Only thing thing. that that's bad and so let's not remove these really great positive i mean cinderella has a lot of agency in her life yes she can't she the villain of the piece is a woman who's putting her in her exactly. place. Like, so, so I, I agree with you 1000%. I think, I think Cinderella is a, a 
a pretty modern woman who who knows what she wants and and goes for it and is the driver of change in her life and is not just a damsel in distress. Right. And you know what? Um, there's a speaking when you said she has her own agency, like she actually she has great points of being a good role model, like when the the they first got the letter about the the ball and the stepsisters were whining like Cinderella can't go and but Cinderella actually speaks her mind she goes why can't I go it says every right. eligible maiden can attend so she she said her she she didn't back down at first and also um, what other she she's just a great role model all around she was given a really crappy life you know once her father passed away and she got treated like garbage. Well, she didn't like accept it like it's a good thing, but she tried to stay positive and tried to be forward thinking. I'm like, you know, kids need something like this. That she had a lot of like mental fortitude, in, like, right. in my opinion. Yeah. 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 And one of the things I feel like the live action version does really well is it gives motivation and a little bit of background as to why Cinderella is so, uh, uh, sticks around and, and is just okay with being a servant to these really horrible people and it's you know and, and the the rationale is that she made a promise to her mother and father she made a promise to her mom before her mom died that she it's um, always be kind and something i've heard there's this saying in the film but, but kind is the big takeaway and then to her dad like before her dad dies you know he's like like take care of your stepsisters take care of your your stepmom and so she's like honoring that commitment that she made even though they're treating her like absolute trash and so it was a really honorable thing like she's an excellent role model i think mm -hmm. yeah and uh well speaking of stepmother and stepdaughters anastasia and drizella um, i looked up a little bit about stepmother tropes this definitely isn't the first movie to kind of target the stepmother i think not everyone has a horrible stepmother story but i feel like you know it's a trope for a reason. So I found this interesting blurb in Psychology Today, um, and I'm just quoting them. Stepmothers are frequently singled out for very bad treatment, though they kind of spun it around like by stepchildren who pick up their mother's anger and resentment and become her proxy in their father's household. I thought that was such a weird thing, which is why I'm glad Cinderella didn't really hold a grudge against the stepmother. Um, but historically, stepmothers were a very common occurrence back in that time era where the movie take place because you know a lot of um not because of divorce and remarriage but more so mothers at the time would die a lot during childbirth i know my thoughts are kind of going all over this place so this would mean the new wife or in this case the stepmother and her children the stepdaughters were in direct competition with the wife's first child not just for love but also kind of money i feel like there's a you know a kind of a heavy theme about money and kind of yeah that competition so to speak yeah yeah um yeah it's interesting I, I, one of the again the, talking about the live action version one of the best one of my favorite parts of the film is at the very end when she's leaving the house with the prince she looks at her stepmother and she goes i forgive you and then walks out of the house and like there's just like which is just such a badass moment but like the 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 relationship between cinderella and the stepmother first of all i love the stepmother and the stepsisters in this movie i love their voices i love their animation like they really look they really are like unique individual people and i love the way that they're drawn and the and and how they look and the way that the stepmother like when you first meet her and she's in that she's in her room and her bed is like she's in shadow and you just see the cat like everything um about her um but it's like i mean you're exactly right it, it's it's not in the live action movie deals with this a lot more but it's not so much about like you know being mean to cinderella for being mean sake it's about like really what the stepmother is fighting for is a future for her daughters mm -hmm. because cinderella's future is secured because she's got her father's inheritance and now the stepmother's daughter's future is not because they don't have a father no. so i think that's interesting Corey, what are your thoughts on the the lovely anastasia and drizella and they like they're just i, I almost feel like they are 
I mean, I know, <clears throat> I know uh, our next episode is uh, Alice in Wonderland, and we'll talk about them here, but they kind of feel like Tweedledee and Tweedledum <laughs> a little bit. You know, they're yes. just kind of like... Yeah. Yeah, they're really mean, especially when they rip her dress apart that the, the oh, mice yeah. made. Like, yeah, they're really mean, but they're also, like, really clumsy and stupid, and you're meant to laugh at how dumb they are. Like, when they're – when uh, the music scene where the one is singing and the other one's playing the flute, and oh, they're man. both really bad at what they're doing. Oh, man. And, like, the one gets her finger stuck in the flute, and she, like, can't get it out, right? It's just – and then she hits the other one in the Adam's apple, which is like, oh well, why does she have an Adam's apple first of all? But like, you know, what <laughs> oh I mean? yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Like, like uh, but it's just, it's really fun. They're really funny in a terrible way, and every time something terrible happens to them, it's funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Good comedic relief, even though the the underlying issue is kind of. Yeah, you know it, it's sad and unfortunate, but even at the end when they're like trying to shove their feet into the slipper, <laughs> yes. like the one kind of hides her heel under her dress and is like it fits, and then you know you just find out that her foot is really big and long, and then the other one's foot looks like it's gonna snap in half when she yes. tries to shove it in. It's kind of gross, actually, but yeah, well, not as gross as cutting your toes off. This is true. Um. Yeah, the stem. Oh, you know, th- this is something I want to start, and I probably should have talked to you guys before this. Maybe we can do like uh, an episode, like a spinoff episode uh, on this. But I kind of want to rate villains. I have this strange fascination with villains. I don't know why, because the movie's supposed to be about the protagonist. But I love villains. I get very intrigued. A lot of times, I'll judge. A, a big influence on how I judge a movie is how well a villain is outlined. Mm -hmm. So overall, I don't know if you want to do like a rating scale from 1 to 10 or just make it um, non-numerical, but how would you kind of rate, because Disney villains I feel like are a big thing, um, the stepmother as a Disney villain, because I I find her scary in the sense that she has this like very quiet, calm, cool, collected demeanor about her, but like you can see the cruelty in her eyes. Mm -hmm. She just like trips that guy and lets the glass uh, slipper smash. So I would say like, she's kind of pretty high up there on the sinister list for me. Yeah. I, I feel about her the same way. Just track with me for a second. If you look at, if you look at Harry Potter, obviously the main villain in Harry Potter is Voldemort, right? He's like evil incarnate, mm-hmm. but then there's uh, professor Umbridge. Yes. Who is, who is like, to me, the more terrifying villain because one she's much more realistic yes two she's just sinister like she's just like like she's just there's a there's like a real human quality to her that is so um uh recognizable in people who i've interacted with in the past and so I feel the same way for the stepmother. Like in this, in terms of like you know mustache twirling villain, like she's not like that at all. But like in terms of just evil to her core, like cruel, just bad person. Like like she's so realistic and so like I, I know people or have known people who are like that. And so I think I mean definitely at least so far and maybe for a long time to come, I don't know. Maleficent is, is pretty great too, but um, I think she's like the top of the Disney villains for me. Cause she mm-hmm. is like, <laughs> so does Disney. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she, yeah, but she's like, not, she's, she's not like obvious. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you look at the guy with the no nose who looks like a snake. Like, yeah, that's a bad guy. But like you look at Umbridge, you're like, Oh, there's a cute old lady in a pink cardigan. Right. And so it's like, you, she's just deceptive. And so, yeah. 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 I mean, this, this, it's, I don't really have much to add to Mark just always puts things so eloquently. I feel kind of dumb going after him. So, <laughs> I like Harry Potter um, comparison because Professor Umbridge scares me like 20 fold like m- way more than Voldemort I'm sorry <laughs> I, I must not tell you. lies <laughs> oh my god well, and you know what I think it is and I think it's applicable to the stepmother is, is 
uh, villains like that use rules and use structure that are agreed upon by like society right to their advantage and so it's it's manipulative and it's crafty and you can't really fight that like you can you can fight like pure evil right like let's rally around that because everyone yeah right but like you know um you know uh a detention or or like that kind of you know the the stepmother using cinderella's kindness to force her into servitude like that's an established societal thing right and so it's difficult to fight that because it's like on the surface it's like nope that tracks right so it's you can't like rally behind that so i think that's so much more evil and sinister than just outright being evil for evil's sake being evil yeah 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 i agree any other characters? Uh, I hate to say it, but the prince is like kind of a generic prince. Like he doesn't have much of a personality, so I really don't have much to say about him. No offense to Prince, whatever his charming. name. Charming. Prince charming. Prince charming. Oh, charming! Again. Yeah, he is the Prince Charming. Sorry, yeah. It's always Prince Charming. Because if not, um, we'll move to just overall general impressions about the film before we wrap up um whether it's favorite moments uh or moments we didn't like i'll just kind of start off with the music really stood out for me um like if um, a dream is what your heart makes bippity boppity boo um the work song like these are i don't know just the foundations of the most memorable disney songs of our generation i have a fun fact before we move on (gasps) Cinderella's Prince Charming's name is Henry. It is not explicitly said in the film, but in a TV spot advertising the Blu-ray release for Cinderella in Europe, they they uh, specifically say his name is Henry. Interesting. Interesting. Wonder why they didn't bother giving him that name in the movie to give him more. Because of he's a... not in it long enough. To... <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, seriously. <laughs> Um, I said this earlier, but I mean, my favorite part in, in the animated movie is when Cinderella transformed the, into her yeah. dress. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation is beautiful. It's like a a real, like, well, that, that part and at the very end of the movie when um, uh, the Duke is about to leave their house and then she she goes, your grace. And then she comes oh, down and they break the th- they break the slipper and she's like, well, I have the pair right here. And it's like the music and the the reaction of the stepmother and it's just like so cathartic and just I mean really fantastic so those are my two favorite parts hmm. yeah I mean I think my my favorite part I, I mean I have a few I actually I actually really liked this movie a lot more that, uh, like I said earlier I really like this movie a lot more than I anticipated this time around because uh, like you know when you put it on for your kid you just kind of like half pay attention and you're kind of playing on your phone or on your laptop yeah. or doing something completely different. Right. And so like actually sitting and watching it, I actually, I love, I, I love the scene where Gus is picking up the corn. I think that scene is just hilarious. I, I know it's not like there's nothing revolutionary about the animation or anything. It's just funny. Or like when he's trying to string the corn on his tail. Right. Or I think, I think Jacques is actually doing it for him, but like, it's just a funny scene because he's like they're tr- obviously trying to play up that he's a chubby mouse and he's really hungry because he's a chubby mouse and it, it's just it's a fat joke and it's kind of funny okay uh, <laughs> it, it but it, it works and like when he like tries to put his teeth like how many times have you like carried something upstairs and you're like put your chin on the yeah. top to try yeah. to balance it, right? It, it's it's that, and it's hilarious because he messes up, and that's the one thing you don't want to do when you're carrying stuff like that. Um, right. I love that scene. I love the dress reveal, like, after the mice make the dress, mm-hmm. and, like, she comes upstairs, and obviously, like, the doors open, and the birds fly, and, like, there's streamers, and the dress is revealed, and she, like... And Gus says, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, that part is cool, but also, like... All the transformation stuff is just exquisitely animated, and like I don't think there's anything better animated until you start getting into like the modern stuff, you know? Right. Oh, 
agree. Um, I've already said it before. I, I hate, you know, anything with the king and the duke is kind of now my new favorites. Um, I will say as... You know, I'm not generally a tomboy, but if I were to look at all the Disney princess dresses, I got to say the Cinderella dress is probably like my top one. Like if I ever were to have like a dream day where I could try on a Disney princess dress, it would it would be between that and Belle. Belle Maybe still. Her. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I agree. Um, Cinderella would be a close second. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not sure if I really had any moments I didn't like. Um, I will agree with Corey that prior to this, you know, maybe I didn't appreciate Cinderella enough, but now that I sat down with it, watched it with my son, paid attention to it, I actually have a renewed sense of respect and appreciation for this film. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, where do you think it's going to sit in our definitive ranking? Right now, we have Pinocchio sitting at number one, Bambi at number two, Snow White at number three. Where's Dumbo? Must be. Last. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> Okay, Dumbo is number four. I don't know why I didn't put Dumbo. Sorry, Dumbo. I <laughs> forgot about you. We we all are trying to forget about Dumbo. Uh, the best thing to ever come out of Dumbo was that dumb ride at Disney World. So, <laughs> and even then, it's not even that great. It's yeah. kind of disappointing it's when you get. Sorry, on. Dumbo. <laughs> it's fine. We love you, but maybe not. Anyway, so I I don't know why, but I feel like this is such an easy answer for me. I feel like uh, um, Cinderella has to be number one. Yeah, I actually kind of feel the same way. I I, I agree. This movie hit on all cylinders. It's funny. It's clever. You're rooting for her. Like, she's not just some damsel in distress. You're really rooting for her to, like, succeed in her dreams and what she wants to do, right? It's it's fun. I, I really love this movie. It's, yeah, I'm actually quite shocked at this point. Because, like, going in, like, Going into this review thing, I was like, okay, well, Pinocchio is probably going to be number one. Pinocchio's fun. Uh, you know, I can take or leave Bambi. I could take or leave uh, Snow White, which I'm actually shocked at how much I like Snow White, actually. Uh, so, like, going in, I'm glad we're rewatching these because it actually, like, is changing how I feel about a lot of these movies. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Cinderella is definitely number one for me. No question. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have an easy decision, uh, at least for now. It'll get more difficult uh, the more Disney movies we look at. So No, well, just kidding, it will. <laughs> Any closing comments for Cinderella? Uh, it's great. I, I don't have much else to say. It's, uh, it's, there's so many great animated cues in this movie. You know, I, I can't talk about the animation enough and i know mark's brought it up a hundred times and so have i and like it's just man i can't believe this whole movie was hand drawn in 19 like you know 50. in the well technically or probably the 40s that. you yeah. know like it's god this is so good so good songs are good cinderella is so good that song is so good yeah. oh, man all around great movie mm-hmm. all right and watch the live action version if you haven't. Yes. Yeah. It's that's also that, the best live action. We endorse that. Yes. yes. Here so. at Boss Rush. Excellent. Well, to close out, um, let's say our goodbyes. Mark, tell uh, everyone where we can find you. Um, you can find me uh, at Boss Rush, where I'm, you know, writing movie reviews and TV show reviews. and. I'm only just the entertainment lead. Psh. Well, yeah. d- it depends on the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at uh, Acceptin Pereira, and you can find me on the other standard def uh, for the where we're going through the MCU. Nice. All right, boss man, Corey, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at I am Corey in HD, uh, and Instagram too, if you want to follow me there. You can also find me hosting the Boss Rush podcast. You can find me on Nintendo Power Block. You can find me on MCU Standard Def and various other things. We're also doing a, if you're into video games, we're doing a ranking Nintendo consoles. Uh, we started that, so that's fun. And uh, we just wrapped Indiana Jones, so you'll be able to hear all of those. The rankings may surprise you, especially our conversation on Crystal Skull. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't wait. And uh, yeah, you can find me on After Dark as well. 
Awesome. And I am Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Klimov, K-L-I-M-O-V underscore author. Um, maybe not so much these days, but hopefully soon when I get back in the swing of things, you can find me on bossrush.net. Um, I'm also on the Boss Rush podcast Wednesday nights uh, and After Dark as well. So until then, have a great night, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Psych! But not really. Ha! <laughs> But before we start with Alice in Wonderland, I have...